The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on 1240 AM WGBB 95.9 on your FM dial with the spot on Sports Guys, Mike Trezza, Mike Gadone, with you for the next hour. Heavy, heavy dose of Giants and Jets tonight. We'll get to the lousy, stinking Yanks and Mets in the second half. And, you know, we've got other things we're going to get to tonight. Before we do any of it, let me say hi to my co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, great to be back in the hot seat. Yeah, when you're talking about New York baseball, thank goodness that we have at least, you know, some some highlights of a giant jet preseason game. Who would think that we'd be leading with that at this time of the year? But it's been a, been a tough summer for baseball, but we're going to move along, talk a little bit about that as well. We're inviting your calls tonight as well. I got a whole list in front of me, Eddie in Staten Island. Ed in Granby, Connecticut, Brian in Connecticut, Greg and the boys in Northport, our normal caller, Ray, call in if the lines are busy, keep calling. We're, we're blowing up tonight. We're going to get a lot of opinion out there. We want to hear what you have to say as well, um, and, and can't wait to get so We might even, hey, little spoiler alert, we might get a little U.S. Open tennis in there as well. Absolutely. 516-623-1240, that is the number to bring the heat and put the blitz on the Tresman and the coach tonight. We're going to start with some Jets football, Mike. And by the way, folks, can you hear the sound? This is the sound of me turning the page <laughs> from this lousy baseball season, which we'll get to because we have to we have to rip into both teams, Mike. But we'll do that in the second half. Uh, let's talk some football. Um, terrific preseason game last night. Four preseason games. Sure. And obviously the expectations and the hopes uh, for Jet fans have very, very rarely been this high. Here to talk with us about it, the guy who's usually our Islanders insider, Johnny Sticks. Tonight he's our Jets insider, John Santa Maria. How are you, Johnny? J-E-T-S. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Can't wait. Can't wait, as my buddy Bart Scott would say. We want to make sure it's not Johnny Punts this year, though. They want John- Johnny Touchdowns, right? So let's oh. talk. Let's start with Rogers, uh, John. How surprised were you when Sala announced it during the week that Rogers was going to see the field in a preseason game for the first time in five years? And um, what did you think of his performance to start the game last night? Well, it was a beautiful touchdown pass. I got to uh, follow along with all of it. I, I was at work last night. I got to uh, take care of it and follow back up on it. But you know what? When you look at it, when you look at everything they had to go down and watching Hard Knocks and seeing everything going on, it just felt right that he needed to get in for two series last night because Sal said it best. It would have not been ideal for September 11th to be his first time on the field at MetLife, his first time on the field with his new teammates, and the first time on the field with Daniel Hacker calling the plays. Remember, guys. Matt LaFleur called the plays in Green Bay, not before, not uh, Nathaniel Hackett when he was the OC. So just need to really get in the game day grooves and all that stuff before a big divisional game in week one. 
So, John, you know, also Jets made a big move signing Dalvin Cook to help out in the backfield. Uh, Brees Hall coming off the uh, the injury from last year. Um, how do you feel about Brees Hall being the opening day starter? You know, it seems to be healthy. All things are pointing to that. Obviously, if you have a one-two punch with him and Dalvin Cook. But uh, any worries at the running back position, or is that now just as solid as solid could be? I think when you had the extra cap space and you saw Dalvin Cook get cut, no doubt about it, you have to bring a guy like that. You can never have enough depth at running back, and they're going to go into the season with not just Cook, not just Hall, but also don't forget about Michael Carter. A lot of people have pushed him to the side. He's a solid back. There's three solid backs. You saw when Hall went down, they had trouble with just Carter as the one. They tried a couple of different things. James Robinson didn't work out last year. Um, Bam Knight. He showed some signs, but really nothing consistent. So you knew you had to do something, even if Hall was cleared and ready to go, especially with the cast face available. It's just one of those things that at that position, you want to keep your guys fresh. So to have three guys you could use, you've seen a number of teams do it. It just makes yourself better. Yeah, yeah. let's stay on the offensive side of the ball for a couple more minutes, John. Let's talk about the receivers. I mean, i got to tell you, Garrett Wilson. What an absolute stud. That that uh, TD pass from Rodgers. I mean, the, the giant TB had good coverage. There was nothing wrong with the coverage on that play. And Wilson just absolutely took it away from him. He's tremendous. I thought the move to bring in Hardman was really good. Cobb, I mean, listen, we'll see what he has left. Lazard, uh, what's your overall impression of the Jets receivers as we uh, get ready to lift the curtain on this season? Well, we all know what Garrett Wilson can do. He's phenomenal, and we saw it from day one. Um, Cobb and Lazard were brought in because they knew the offense. That is huge to that room, that those guys could come in, work with Garrett Wilson on the terminology. Randall Cobb's going to make Garrett Wilson that much more better. What was this? What's a shame was what happened this week, that Corey Davis announced his retirement, wish him all the best with things going on at home or whatever health issues, whatever he's dealing with, hope he gets through it all. But the one thing I still think they need, besides the guys, I think they're going to still need one more guy. Just to, because, again, you don't want to lean on Cobb. You don't want, and Rogers might early on in the year, but you don't want to lean on him for 17 games. So I think Joe Douglas will eye the waiver wire this week and see what could I do to maybe boost that receiver's room. Because now you have $10 million extra in salary cap because, of so keep an eye on that. So Hard Knocks, HBO series, Jets. There was all the talk early on, Johnny, was that uh, they didn't want to be a part of it. It was just going to be, you know, with gnashed teeth and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of it. I, I watch it, you know, I'm more of a Giant fan, but I just I just love the show. Very interesting to see in this past episode with Coach Robert Sala getting on the offensive line. You know, sometimes you think, is it for show or whatever else? But um, it, they seemed to be legitimately, you know, worried about that was kind of maybe their one Achilles heel. Seemed to get it going again last night. Um, you know, again, we're kind of nitpicking here, but any any worries with you on the offensive line? I, my only concern is making sure everybody's healthy. And that's why I think, too, this week, Makai Beckton, by the way, got named the starter at right tackle. So yes. to follow up off last night. So maybe they still boost again with some depth. That that $10 million plus in cap space 
let's keep an eye the next two days, and maybe by the next time we talk, we'll have things to talk about on that offensive line stuff. But Dwayne Brown coming back to practice all certainly helps. And the thing is keeping Vera Tucker healthy, who was very good last year. They got one of their other first-round picks. That was two drafts ago. If Makai Becton can transition to right tackle successfully, remember they didn't pick his fifth-year option up. So he could be playing the same way Daniel Jones played last year. Maybe not getting $40 million a year like the Giants quarterback, but, hey, got a lot to play for right now. And then with the veterans they have there, and then they also have a rookie, Joe Tittman. He's a center. Um, He may not start at center right away, but he's somebody who could move around the offensive line. And the way I look at this, I don't know how much you two follow college football, but if you're familiar with the Wisconsin Badgers and the way they do things, they're very good up front. They're very good with the run game. So I don't care who you draft. You draft a good running back and you draft a good lineman from that program, you know those guys are NFL ready because they prepare those guys well. So I think Tipman will be fine wherever you put him. It's just a matter of finding the consistent unit and making sure you have enough depth if something happens. Hey, John, I want to ask you, and this is kind of piggybacking onto Mike's question he asked you, but with the whole thing with hard knocks and a lot of chattiness coming out of the jet camp and a lot of you know high expectations from everybody around the jets the media the fans do you think the jets to some degree are putting a target on their back and if so are you worried about that well i i don't think joe douglas was a fan of the the general manager was a fan of the hard knocks from day one because he's done it with the Ravens. he also remember this if you guys saw this written in the press so Probably on this episode, he is not allowing the cameras in his office when he makes the cuts. You guys probably remember those scenes. We've seen a number of, a number of years where that's happened. He didn't allow that. I don't. I really believe Robert Sala wanted no part of it either. But they're making the best out of it because the NFL gives the teams no choice. I think the Rex Ryan hard knocks year. They wanted that and all the attention. I think this group wanted to focus strictly business. But you have to make for the best of things because when the NFL signs media contracts like some of the ones they do, sometimes you just have to give in. Let me surf back to a question Mike uh, asked you earlier, John, and that was about Corey Davis. The retirement thing caught a lot of people off guard. It caught me off guard. Uh, what do you think was really going on there? Was that a health issue? Was that a um, a role within the offense issue, or was it a money issue? No, I think it was an. I think it was an issue with health and possibly something else at home that we probably won't ever find out about because he probably won't disclose it. Interesting, interesting. Let's flip around to the defensive side of the ball, boy. I got to tell you, I mean, I was sitting there in the stadium last night on the forty, twenty rows back into the stands. As when Tyrod Taylor got the ball for the first time, I'm saying, oh, who's that guy? Oh, who's that guy? I think Tyrod was saying the same thing. That offensive, that defensive line, John, is deep, man, and i got to tell you. Yes, and they can get pressure to the quarterback, starting with the newly paid Quinn and Williams, who's the anchor of that defensive line. Between him and John Franklin Myers, that that's a great one-two punch up there. And then my favorite of the group, I love on the defense, I love the linebackers on a lot of, I love the linebackers on the defense, but specifically this group. Quincy, Quinton's brother Quincy Williams is a talent. CJ Mosley tackles like crazy. 
you don't want to mess with those guys. And remember, what was Robert Sala's bread and butter when he was the defensive coordinator with the 49ers? That D-line putting pressure on the quarterback from all areas. And then the secondary is just getting better and better. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I mean, Sauce Gardner, it, coming off his freshman campaign last year, I mean, when you put, you can have him as your shutdown cornerback for for the next ten years if they can afford him. I mean, he does have a lot to say, but he backs it up just like everybody else. Mike was saying before, um, there's really, John, no weakness. Uh, you know, I mean, they're one injury away as is every NFL team, but they are literally strong in every single spot on the defense. And there's a lot of depth there too. So. The only real spot where maybe the depth will be tested is something does happen in the secondary. But it's also up to Jeff Olbert, the defensive coordinator, to bring this group together to get them to the, to stay at that pace. And between him and, and Sal and Olbert did a great – he came in in 2021. That was, his, that was their first year. That group looked lost. But they bought in. They got better from the start of the season to the end. Even last year, they took – Rides on defense. Remember the game in Green Bay last year when they went after Rodgers? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's just, and if they had, that's why I said, if they had proper coaching on that side of the ball on the offense, we're not talking about a 7 and 10 team. This is a, this defense is legit. This is why they went out and got Rodgers. All right. So I like to, um, sort of separate the schedule into little mini bites, John. Uh, first few weeks. Obviously, opening up with Buffalo on 9-11, right? Then down mm-hmm. to Dallas, New England, KC, and then the Broncos. So, again, no easy feat. What are you expecting from that early part of the schedule in, ver- in very general terms? Well, just a heads up, I'm heading down to Dallas in week two. I'm very excited what? about that. You going down to uh, Jerry's World down there? I can't, yes. I can't one, wait well, to hear I, didn't expect, well, I did not expect this to happen because <laughs> when, Rogers got, when Rogers got traded, my first thought was they were going to play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Right. And then the, and then the Jets offered to play on Black Friday. So I was like, this has to happen. So I'm going down with my buddy. I'm excited about it. Excited to see Jerry World. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of Jet fans down there. Um, but realistically, um, you have to split these first two games. And if you win over the Bills and lose in Dallas, that's not the worst thing. You've got to get these divisional games. You've got to beat the Patriots. I don't think they're a very good football team. Um, and then as far as Denver is concerned, that's a big one early in the season because that's one you could look back at in December if possible tiebreakers need to eventually be discussed. So you want to get that one. And remember, it's never easy to go to mile high. The Jets did it last year, but Russell Wilson did not play. So Russell Wilson should be playing, should be. That's a big one, according to Sean Payne, as we heard that maybe there's a possibility he gets benched if things don't work out. Let's see how, how long the circus lasts in Denver. But those are games you want to really keep an eye on. So an idea, three win, three and th- if you could get through the first part of the schedule, get your three wins or better, then, yeah, you're on the right path. Because even Kansas City, that'll be tough. Luckily, it's at home. So, John, as you know, you know, I come at it from the coaching standpoint with most things. You know, I never coach football. But just, just from a coaching background. So I, I love watching the interaction on hard knocks between the players uh, and their coaching staff, but especially watching Robert Sala. And the one thing that has really uh, surprised me is is his salty language. He kind of comes across now. You know, every football coach is not a choir boy, but he kind of he kind of 
looks like a reserved. You know, he, he's going to tell you straight. He gets he gets pretty fired up and, and gets after it. Uh, you know, does that surprise you in any in any way, or are you, you pleasantly no, 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 you pleasantly no. surprised by that? No, if you remember him as the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, he was very energetic on that sideline. Okay. Well, no, I, I think that that's that's me. no, I think that's a great thing because I think that's what they need. Because I know you know these guys when they're coordinators, like you mentioned, they're one they can be one way, but then when they get to the head chair, they're kind of delegating back and forth, and maybe they they take a step backwards. But I, I love what he's bringing, and and it, you know, of course, he's smiling a lot. I would be smiling too if I had the team he has. Well, he's been, well. I think he's grown in the two, in the two years now, entering year three. Back at track, even with him, I, I think he at least admitted to it last year. I think the one thing people said with the way last year ended and the adjustments he made to the staff, bringing in Nathaniel Hackett, bringing in Todd Downing as the passing game coordinator, this is something he should have done in his first year. I think he regrets, even though he's very good friends with the LaFleurs. I think he regrets bringing Mike LaFleur in. It was just not the right fit from day one. I think they realized they should have went the more veteran experience route, calling the plays for Zach Wilson. Maybe that would have helped his development. Maybe they wouldn't have needed Aaron Rodgers at this point right now, but at least he knows. He figured out what was wrong. He, he's not stubborn in some ways where he's like, oh, no, we're going to do things. No, no, he was very open to a change, so... I think that that's a big step because him and the LaFleurs are very close. So I think that showed a lot that he was willing to little step out of the box. It's like, yeah, i got to make the right changes in order to keep my job and not worry about my own football beliefs and what I think is best. Awesome. So he owned up to it. Awesome job, Johnny. Thank you. We'll talk to you along the way, buddy. All right, let's get ready for a good season. Oh, yeah. And hockey right behind it as well, Johnny. So we, A lot to talk about. A lot of, yeah, exactly. We're going to keep you busy. All right, we'll chat soon. All right, thanks for joining us. All so, right, Mike, let's get to some Giants, man. Let's get to some <laughs> Giants. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, because uh, we, got, we have Johnny on. He's all pumped up about the Jets. Every Jet fan I know is all pumped up. Uh, 516, folks, 623-1240. The phones are going to stay open. No more guests. It's just your calls, Mike and me, um, till the end of the show. And it's, it's really funny, Mike. I was going to ask you this question. Because the Jets are getting so much attention, do you think that the Giants are kind of maybe flying a little bit under the radar screen, um, despite having a little bit better success last year than the Jets did? Absolutely, and, and I think that they're probably very happy about that. I mean, um, quietly they took care of business, you know, in the running back position. Saquon Barkley was having, con- he, talking about holding out, I think we, we spoke about that in early July, and that's just not his way. You know, thankfully they were able to, that whole that whole thing in the NFL with the running back position and getting paid, That that's that's going to be a very, very interesting subplot as seasons and collective bargaining agreements go on. But they took care of that. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones coming in now with this huge deal for the next couple of years. Um, I, I think you hit it right on the head. They are. They're kind of uh, in the background. You know, they are. They are. I believe. I think if you look at it, almost like a Yankees Mets scenario, the Giants are the Yankees, Jets are the Mets. It's just they're the Giants are the more established. They've been around forever. Yeah, that translates. Yeah, yeah, you know, but I'll tell you, I, I don't think they're Brian Dable or anybody is is worried about uh, you know being 
maybe second or third page behind the Jets, at least early here, because it just lets him get his football team ready. Oh, it was so funny last night. We got in the car after, you know, we left a few minutes before the end of the game, figured we'd beat the traffic. So we get in, we start listening to the post game, and somebody asks Dable uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers' question. <laughs> he says, you know, and it was the stupidest question. The yeah. guy had the stupidest voice. He asked the stupidest question. He says, um, you know, when, when Aaron Rodgers first came on, was there like that moment of, of, of great, like, anticipation? And, and Dable looks at the guy, he just goes, no. <laughs> hysterical that's fantastic um but you know what mike I, I mean listen not much for me as a giant fan or you watching the game at home to take away last night listen we didn't see many starters on either side of the ball but if we want to go back we can go back a week to that carolina game and i think you and i talked about it or texted about it after that i mean daniel jones and the starting offense did play one series and they looked really really good i mean that first drive against carolina they were efficient. I mean, the ball never hit the ground. I mean, and the biggest difference you saw that we haven't seen from the Giants in a long time was team speed at the tight end position and on the outside. Yeah, Darren Wall is going to add a tremendous, tremendous, humongous, you know, extra part to this team. Uh, the word that came to mind as you were describing it was pace. There's a pace now to the offense. Yeah. Not that they're going to be a hurry up, but um, there's there's just something to playing quickly and that confidence now and and getting your offensive line into that uh, into that groove as well. So uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's it's exciting to see. I don't want to go back to the Jets because we spent enough time, but you know, both teams were on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have some name players. They have they have a little bit of uh, juice to them, you know, as well. But yeah, the, the giant offense. Um, it, I think the last couple of years, as we've talked about it, it's always like, all right, we knew about Saquon, then then he got hurt, then you know, the receivers are coming along. Hopefully, then one of them gets hurt, and then you know, what what are they going to do with Jones? All of that is settled right now. We don't have to worry about a thing. So there, there really are zero distractions right now. And I'm, I'm knocking wood here, in, in, the, in the, and I'm knocking my head too, that there will be no type of injuries, you know, going in. One thing, Mike, I think that is a little underrated now. Somebody was saying, oh, you know what? These guys, they got to get more reps in preseason. You know, even you know, one or two series. What the NFL teams are doing now, which is really, really smart. Many of them are practicing against each other right. in the days leading up to the these games. Season game. yeah. So, of course, there's nothing like you know game speed or whatever else. But they're they're not just going against their own guys for the entire time and not seeing anybody else. So I'm hoping that translates to a little bit better uh, efficiency, especially for the Giants starting off on the offensive end, because you know defensively. I don't think that's an issue, but um, something to think about now with Cunningham preseason games, but also, you know, a lot of guys not playing and them not making this big cut until the end now as well. Yeah, let me get back to the skilled guys in in a minute. But the other thing that struck me, Mike, and I don't want to get, like, into the weeds, but watching that first drive against Carolina with the starters out there, I think the kid at center, Schmitz, really locked down the middle of that offensive line in a way we haven't, had it locked down in a couple uh, in a couple years. You know, I don't love our guards, uh, Bredesen and the other guy, Glowinski. I could take or leave. But I'll tell you something right now, Mike. Andrew Thomas 
is an absolute stud. I mean, he might become, if he's not already, um, the best left tackle in the game. And for those who thought Evan Neal was a bust, Evan Neal is getting better every game. And Evan Neal and Thomas are going to be bookends on the outside for years to come. I think Schmitz is going to lock down that middle, which is important. And you saw, as you said, a completely different pace to that giant offense. Just the one series they were in there. The ball never hit the ground, and bing, bang, boom, nine plays, TD. That great point, yeah. John Michael Schmitz, rookie out of Minnesota, twenty-four years old. He's listed at six four three ten. Now that that's 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 a big country boy right there. And and but twenty-four years old. I think that that's a big, huge thing that is so different than some other sports. No bringing question. Guys, no you know question. What? It's it's just that's why the NBA is the NBA. You know, they got eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-olds coming in, and, and takes a long time. And but, they're immature. Right. And their game is immature, and their personalities immature. Exactly. And their their um their way of handling money and newfound fame is immature. Yep. And here's a guy; he's twenty-four, like you mentioned, twenty-four years of age. Stayed the extra year in college. Not only didn't come out early, stayed the extra year, and now you you the giant organization get a finished product. Absolutely, yeah, and and a very very important position. I mean, everybody goes, oh, center. You know, if you don't know much about about or you're a casual football fan, oh, what do, what do they do? They're just hiking the ball. <laughs> Uh-uh, there is, there is, in schemes, you know, I, I don't, I, I could get so many m- more people on this program who would be able to explain that a lot better than me, but the the center position is just vital in, in keeping that going. But you know what's funny? I mean, just getting back, I don't want to belabor that drive, but, I mean, Waller was all over the place, as you mentioned, uh, Paris Campbell, um, and then you got the kid, uh, Jalen Hyatt, that they drafted, has got tremendous speed. I'm very high on him. Yeah. And and then what happens is, as soon as you forget about Bellinger, which teams are going to do, boom, go to him on the goal line, TJ. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I love to, you know, in the running game, you know, Saquon again, Matt Breda is, you know, he, he was a starter years ago. He's He, he holds on to the ball. Um, you know, again, depth, as John said, with the Jets, you know, Giants are showing it as well. And now with, with cut down day, who knows who they could pick up or where they could go. But this is not, this is not our, uh, you know, two or three years ago when we're, you know, when I was, once again, I'll bring up Kenny Galladay. Oh, oh Mike, I was hoping you wouldn't <laughs> say that name. My goodness I, gracious. Listen, you know, hey, I always admit it. You know, we go, Going back to our podcast days when I when I said Kenny Galladay was the best giant signing of the last five years, uh, you know, Mike served me some crow. Well done. I ate it, and, and there we go. <laughs> All right, so let's go over to the other side of the ball and talk about the uh, the giant D. I thought of um, a, a pickup this week that didn't get as much attention as I thought it would was Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. Yeah. And if you looked at the first series, not the uh, against the Jets, not the one in which um, Rodgers threw the touchdown pass to um, to Wilson, mm-hmm. it was actually Isaiah Z- uh, Simmons putting the heat on Rodgers and making him get rid of it on that first Jet series last night. I think, you, again, you bring up a great point. Here's a guy, first-round draft choice from Arizona, I believe, in the – Maybe in the top ten, even even in the top five, get him for what a seventh round draft choice, which would, yes, which is yes. I mean, hey, that that's you know 
That's like a, a bag of footballs. I mean, really, these days, that's that's a tremendous pickup. His upside, they asked Brian Dable about it the day they made the trade, and he, he said, you know, of course, we haven't had him in yet, but just his speed, his length, his athleticism, and, you know, they're throwing him right out there, and he's putting pressure against the first-team guys against the Jets. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, a change of scenery can do wonders for players, and also you put him in defensive coordinator Wink Martindale's system, something had to stand out there and said, hey, we're going to take a chance on this guy. Yeah, um, one of the problem areas for us for a number of years now has not only been linebacker, but inability to put some heat on the quarterback. And now with Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Ojolari, and those guys, what do you think is uh, the chance, Mike, that they'll get to the quarterback a little bit more often this coming season? I, I see that happening. The one thing, though, Mike, that, that I, I get a little bit nervous about, I, I love Kayvon Thibodeau's game. I don't know if I love his head. Yeah, I know. You know we, 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 there were a couple instances last year. We, we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, I'm really looking for him maturity-wise to take a step this year and be, you know, be an all-pro, uh, just do his thing, um, not worry about you know, endorsements or you know, standing over guys and doing things. No snow angel. Yeah, yeah, please. No, 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 just just play football because yeah. that's all he needs to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you put those things together, uh, the giant pass rush should be a pass rush this year. But the one thing I am going to say to address that is it seems like, now we'll see if this is the case, obviously, that Joe Shane and company would rather part company with a guy who is going to become a problem or cause problems, even if he is super, super talented, as Thibodeau is. Mm-hmm. Um, then let him fester and let him become a problem for the whole locker room. Now, a great point. I mean, I guess, you know, the Giants organization had always kind of done things right. You know, Tom Coughlin, uh, you know, going back to George Young, Bill Parcells, when they were building those great teams. Not that they necessarily got away from that, but, you know, when you brought in Odell Beckham and just it, it, it became a little bit of a non-Giant Esque team, a lot of sideline theatrics, you know, to dancing with the net on this. We could go through that forever. I love the fact, old school, man. Let's get back to it. And if Thibodeau is is immensely talented, you know, million dollar talent, five cent head, well, then it might be time to to think about, you know, making a change there or getting what you can. But I'm I'm really I, I'm I'm not I'm not going out on a limb by saying I think this year. He's going to bring it really strong, and this this group is going to be fun to watch. Two other things on the Giants real quick because we're going to get up against a break. But last year, we, you and I, and basically every Giant fan on earth, bemoaned the fact, the lack of depth at receiver. Oh. Now you're talking Jalen Hyatt, who you said I'm very high on. Yeah. Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, Darius Slayton's still here, and and poor Sterling Shepard has to get back there and return punts <laughs> just to get on the field, Mike. I know, unbelievable. I, listen, I I've always had a a, a liking for Sterling Shepard. I, I hope that he's one hundred percent healthy. I hope he you know works his way back in. But yeah, when you have him returning punts and kickoffs, that that's a great sign for the team. And Crowder, I didn't even mention, yes. and Cole Beasley, yeah. who may or may not stick around at this point. You know what? It, yeah, very interesting because he's he. Depending on who you talk to, we talked about this before the show. Is he hurt or whatever else? What, were they trying to, you know, save him maybe for a trade chip or whatever? But great, a great possession receiver 
who's excelled in that role anywhere he's been. And one more on the Giant D. I got to give you a name to look out for if you're not already looking out for him. Bobby Okereke. Mike, I'm telling you right now, that dude is an absolute stud. He is going to be the leading tackler on the Giants this year. You watch. I am not kidding around. All right. Well, listen. You know, hopefully he doesn't turn out to be a Kenny Galladay of, of the defense. You, you put it down right here. We're going to keep an eye on him. The only thing about it is every time they mention his name makes me hungry because I think of carrot cake. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We want your calls tonight. Yeah, folks. let's go, folks. Come on now. 516-623-1240. Some Met action, some Yank action, some U.S. Open, and maybe even some Knicks when we get back. to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB, 1240 AM, with the spot on sports guys, the Tresman, the coach, with you to line. We did a lot of jet. We did a lot of giant. Let's surf over to talk some baseball, Mike. And I'll tell you before we start, Mike. This is going to be the last time I'm going to mention the Mets or the Yanks this year. I don't want. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to do anything. But you and I have got to put a ball on it's, this thing. How sad is it? I mean, the calendar hasn't even flipped to September. I know. And, and we're talking about a, a Mets team, twenty-five and a half games out of first place, nine out of the wild card. Forget the wild card anyway. They gave up on that a while ago. But yeah, twenty-five and a half games. We're going to get to the, to the Yankees as well. 19 behind, I don't even want to say the Baltimore Orioles. But, yeah, at Mets, you know, those of you who listen to our program, our Mets insider, Chris Caputo, Cappy, the, the seven-line army, we had to give him the night off because the poor guy has seen he's seen more baseball and spent spent more money on, on, a, on a ridiculous product uh, that he was sold a bill of goods, that we all were sold a bill of goods to with the, with the New York Mets this year. And, and I just I feel for him. So, Mike, let's let's take it back just a little ways, okay? okay? To the trading deadline, we all assumed at that point Robertson deal was a fait accompli. Um, it seems like, and again, not to relitigate it, Scherzer went to management and said, if you're going to get Robertson out of here, get me out of here. Um, the one that kind of maybe took people by surprise and I don't know if the guy asked out or if they decided, hey, let's just blow the whole thing up, was Verlander. First of all, with Verlander, how surprised were you that that deal got done and got done as quickly as it did in the, you know, it seemed like day or two before the trade deadline? I, I was very surprised, and that, that was the one that I was I was most disappointed with. And, you know, Scherzer, yeah, as you mentioned, he 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 went to the press Right away, he was disappointed. And, and, you know, I get it. 
listen, you know, who he's he's too old to to go through rebuilding or you know another year uh, where where they have no shot. And, and that's kind of his personality. Exactly. You know, he's always he's always has. But but again, yeah. you knew that when yes. you when you when you signed on with right. him, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like that old parable from the Bible of, yep. about you knew I was a snake when you picked <laughs> me up, right? Yep, absolutely. So yeah, that one. You know what? You're right. And and the return on that was 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 good. Yeah, Verlander. Um, the the rumor right away was that if he was going to go, that they had a deal in place with Baltimore. And uh, he turned that one down, believe it or not. So that that'll be. I know you don't want to talk uh, baseball in the future, but if we if we get Chris back on the show, he, he he was pretty hot on that one. Going back to the Astros makes a lot of sense for him. But yeah, what what message are you sending to your fan base and also to your team when when you? Say a week before, this is not a fire sale. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to try to be reloading, but we're going to keep things as much in in place to be competitive. And then your your two top stars, and you're paying some of their salaries as well. It's not like it was a big, huge salary. Deal. You're paying a lot. Of you're paying salary. a lot. So, you know, listen. You want to pay these guys the most of of any two baseball players starters in the history of the game. Okay, you want to get rid of them? Okay, maybe open up some money for a Shohei Otani, which probably is not going to happen. It's a lot to ask for, but at least I could maybe get excited over that. But I know Cohen's got got money that he can just you know blow his nose in. But my goodness, what what are you what are you saying to to your fan? Now, I've been a Met fan since I'm a young kid. I have turned down, and I'm sure I am not the only guy. Five, five to ten free tickets this year to games, a, l- a couple before. And now, I mean, I, c- I could go to any game I want to for literally nothing. I have no interest in going to watch this team. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm going to hold back the Yankees, but what you're saying has some parallel with the Yankees in terms of ownership and upper-level management, Mike, being honest with their fans. You know, I mean, people couldn't wait to line up and throw roses at Uncle Stevie's feet because he said, hey, we're putting the kibosh on this season and we're yeah. getting rid of Scherzer, we're getting rid of Verlander, and we're going to come back stronger in 24 or whatever, the, uh, in 25 or whatever the uh, he said. But, but Mike, like you said, you're a longtime fan. You're a savvy guy. Did you, How much of that did you buy and how much of that did you think, hey, listen, this guy – I don't know. It's a snake oil salesman. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I wanted to believe it. I wanted to buy it. I wanted to be on board with it. And I, you know, I, I hope it's going to turn out the way we want it. But, you know, the flip flopping back and forth about what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, and his press conference a month ago of saying literally nothing, um, you know, it, it, it's tough to swallow. So the biggest news in New York Metland this week has nothing to do with the team on the field. Nothing. All right. So it's, it's not Nimmo saying he, he doesn't know how to steal bases. I mean, well, listen. It. You know, he, he's only signed for what ten years. And he, <laughs> so wait a minute. You're a fast guy. You're oh, a center fielder. You're, you're you making know, twenty mil a year. You know what? Here's my thing, Brandon, buddy. Learn how to steal bases. Yeah, you're and, a fast guy. And how about learn how to put the ball in play? A hundred and twenty-three strikeouts. So what? What, what was oh, the big news man. that I that I might have missed? So so for people of, of our era, my era especially. Next year, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry Gooden, and their numbers were tied. Wonderful thing. I think that's great. I'm very excited about it. 
I'm happy that both those guys, it looks like that, you know, they're, they're X in order. Um, they're, they're around the team constantly. You know, Daryl goes all over the, the country for the Yankees, Mets, and, and has his own ministry. But Doc seems to have everything in place. So I think that that's fantastic. It's almost like they were waiting on that news to when it was the worst possible, you know, time as a med fit at the end of August. All right, let's throw that out yeah, there. Trying get, to sell you. Get a, yeah, oh, great. Yeah, okay. Well, fantastic. You know, we're all about that game, oh, about God. that game. <laughs> Seriously. But, yeah, I, Brandon Nemo, 123 strikeouts. Pete Alonso, 114. Francisco Lindor, 116. Yeah, forget even the, the trades and the pitching. And Oh, my God, just please, can we put the ball in play? All right, so, Mike. Let's talk about the future of the Mets for just a minute, okay. all right? Cause all I right. There is some good stuff. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time. Obviously, the guys that are staying are primarily up the middle, right? You're building up the middle. Yep. The kid Alvarez is a stud. Oh, he's tremendous. Uh, Lindor is going to stay. Nemo is going to stay and maybe learn how to steal bases. And then Pete is not really up the middle, but obviously Pete is staying. Um, Although, you know what? They've had a little – it's been very interesting recently – in the press with him because he's obviously he's going to be due for the extension. Um, not that they're they're not killing him, but there there's other uh, sources that are talking about. It was in the paper this week. He was voted the most philanthropic major league baseball player. Like that didn't come from the Mets. Okay, yeah, it's just, it uh, it's a whole spin zone, which I you know I don't like that phrase either. But um, there, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, but Francisco Alvarez, I mean, tremendous. I I once again you know. My mom is always impressed, and hello down there in in, in Damascus, Maryland, uh, by my stat knowledge, but I have this right in front of me, 21 home runs, 47 RBIs, you know, he, and he, he plays a very good defensive catcher behind the dish. Uh, Nemo's going to, yeah, I mean, he's signed to a 10-year contract. The guy's going to be there, hopefully. I don't think he's been right the entire year, but that's generally his, his MO anyway. He's always hurt. Two questions real quick okay. about the Mets, all right? Number one. Did they did they throw up the white flag too early? I don't think they threw up the flag too early because I, I think that it was pretty much inevitable. But I think they sent a really bad message when 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 they got rid of Verlander as well. Does it concern you that the guys that are still here, those guys I mentioned that are going to form the core right next year and the year after, that they started playing a little bit better after Uncle Stevie waved the white flag? Did that concern you at all? That's a great point. Um, it didn't really concern me, but I think it's something we're thinking about when the pressure, you know, Pete, like, uh, let's look at Pete Alonso. He, he, he seems to have a, a tremendous amount of solo home runs. He's got 96 RBIs. He's, you know, he's got, he's, he's sitting on 40 home runs here. He should be in that 120 range. He seems to, you know, it, same thing with Lindor. Lindor comes up with these big games when, when it's 7 1 or, or 9 2, you know, so it's worth watching. Yeah. All right, let's spend a few minutes on the Yanks because I got to tell you. Uh, okay, all right. Everybody, listen. Those of you at home, adjust your volume because poor Mike Trezor here is gonna, about to blow. Oh, Brian, Brian in the baby. back, he's looking at us like, uh oh, he's he's adjusting the board. Oh, and if you want to call in again, yeah, five one six six two three twelve forty five one six six two three twelve forty because Mike might need a, a breath here with the New York Yankees, uh, America's team. You know. All right, go go for it, Mike. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing. I mean, getting back and relating it to what you said about about Steve Cohen, I'll say the same thing about Yankee management and Yankee ownership. Do us a favor. 
be honest with your fans. Don't treat us like we're idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fans like you and me, we're savvy. We've been we've been at this for a, you know game of being a fan for a long time. I mean, be honest with us. Uh, just the other day, Brian Cashman gets out there, and you know, all right, maybe he felt like the time to get out there and and get before the media was now. While this thing is absolutely. You know, I hate to use a cliche, a dumpster fire right now, right? It, it's an absolute fiasco. And he said as much. So, I mean, he sounds like he's trying to be honest with you. But but here's the thing, Mike. Something has to change. You know, when you're talking about, I mean, all the hope all season long was, hey, we hope that Judge can get back soon because nobody else on this team was hitting yeah. while he was out. The kids weren't hitting, and the established guys Rizzo, LeMayu, Stanton, they all stunk for the whole season while Judge was out. Oh, so this is going to be our hope. You're going to sell us hope. Here comes Judge. He's coming back. All right, everything's going to be all right now. I mean, why? Why is still, Why is Judge still in the lineup, Mike? That's a great question because they obviously you know, know that they got no shot here. And the word was maybe he's going to need surgery or whatever. I mean, what – he he hits three home runs the other night, which is tremendous. But why? Yeah, why are you trotting him out there if, if this year is completely finished? Exactly. Just be honest with your fans. If he has to have the surgery, tell us he needs surgery. Say, hey, guess what, guys? He's not going to play anymore this year. And if we bring up kids, bring up kids. I don't care who they are or where they play. Put them in there and let them play. And just be honest with your fans. You know, people keep talking as it relates to. And and by the way. Let me get to the Rizzo fiasco. Okay. Oh, Mike, Mike. <laughs> I mean, the guy hurt himself. It was the end of May yeah. when he had that collision with um, the guy from the Padres, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he was never the same. So wait a minute. For two months, the guy hit 115 and didn't hit a homer for almost two months, and your medical staff could not tell that he was, that there was something wrong with him. Now, maybe Rizzo was dishonest about it if he was. That's on him. If the Yankee medical staff cannot tell a guy who hit 300 and change and was hitting homers left and right in April and May from a guy who, again, hit barely over 100 for two months of the season didn't hit a home run, I mean, what is going on here? That's a terrible look. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I don't mean to be crude, but Stevie Wonder could have oh. told you that there was something wrong with Rizzo. And, yeah, it, it's, it just seems there's been no balance to this team, I think they were poorly constructed. Very poor. You know, like you said, they're hoping, can't wait for for Judge to come back. I, I I don't remember a year where a New York Yankee franchise was built on hoping that one guy is going to come back. Yeah, I mean to be just. To, do you think? Quick question. I know it's revisionist history, or whatever else. Do you think that they, with Volpe, do you think they they gave him a little too much too early? Or were they thinking? You know what? He had a. He, it was his time. He had a hot spring. You know, let's go. I, it was almost like he got off to a rough start, and the whole season was was in flux. Nah, Volpe okay. wasn't the problem. The problem was that all the time Judge was out, Lemayu didn't hit, Rizzo didn't hit, and now we at least know why with Rizzo and Stanton didn't hit. That was the whole thing right there, Mike. And and you know, I thought it was funny and I thought it was interesting. I sent you the article. Uh, or the piece with David Cohn, I yes. sent it to Cap, about him saying basically the same thing I had said about the type of job I felt 
Boone did. He had no rotation for this whole year, Mike. He had Cole and nobody else. Yeah. Cole and pray for four days of rain, okay? <laughs> That's what it was. And he had a, um, a lineup that was absolutely from hunger. And and for him to have the Yankees hang in, um, at least the wild card chase, till the beginning of August, I thought it was a tremendous job by him. But for Cashman's part, he... Like you said, he did a, he did a bad job putting this team together. Yeah. There was no left fielder to speak of, um, and 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 here's the thing, you know everybody keeps talking about the Yankees having a different approach when it comes to analytics. Here's what I say: the Yankees need a different approach on the business side. Okay, no more long contracts. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a happy dance everybody in Miami must have been doing? When they got rid uh, underneath that contract with Stanton, uh, it's, you read my mind. I was just, I was literally just looking at his stat line for this year. Mike, he's here for four more years. Oh my goodness, four more years. <laughs> two hit, hitting two oh two, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's. And I mean, did you see the play where he got thrown out at the plate? No. I mean, I know there was a lot of talk about that. Was that was an absolute joke? It's comical. That yeah, was comical. I mean. Here's a guy, he's 30 years, you know, he's in his early 30s. He's built like Mr. America. And, I mean, he's basically like jogging around the... I I thought I was watching a Sunday morning softball game, (laughs) you know, at the beach in my town. It's crazy. Yeah, which, in The Wizard of Oz, which character didn't have any heart? (laughs) The Tin Man. Yeah, yeah, I I would say he's he's in Tin Man status right now. Ah, so I think the, the... thing that's got to change more than the analytics is the business model yeah here's what i say if i'm the new york yankees you want to play for me i'm hank steinbrenner you, uh, you want to play for me or hal steinbrenner um i'm going to pay you more annually mm-hmm. than any other team will offer you including uncle steve but no more long contracts sure unless you're a cole unless you're a judge then i'll pay you for eight yeah, years or a, ten years a no-brainer anybody else yeah five years is the limit mike i cannot be stuck with these long contracts forever i, I was having a chat with with my buddy brian who's a huge yankee fan and and he was saying you know about that you know right now people are still obviously going they'll go to yankee games the, the, the stands are full or whatever else. But it's not going to be long. If they don't get on the stick here, like you said, business model on the field but also off the field, you know, it, it's it. – you're going to see empty seats eventually because if this team is this putrid going forward, you know, people are not going to pay it. Or, okay, maybe they'll pay for the seats, the corporations, whatever else. But are people going to go and, and sit and pay, you know – Fourteen dollars for uh, you know for an Evian water? I, I don't think so. Nah, it's crazy. I, I mean, listen. I went to one game this year. It was a Friday night game against Houston, and Severino was starting because yeah. Rodon and, and oh and, Rodon, um, oh he's got to be driving. And that's the we're back on the IL. Yeah. You know, they both made cameos. They both went back on, and I'm like, wait a minute, I got to go look at Severino give up you know seven runs in the first two innings against Houston of all, and Houston fans all over the place. So uh, that was no. That was no yeah, that, that had to be a tough pill to swallow. Oh. Uh, let's get on to Nick's two rumors that I've heard really quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on. Okay. Embiid mm. to the Knicks, Giannis to the Knicks. Any fire to either one of those? In the short term, I don't think Giannis. I think he's, you know, he, he was talking about in his uh, press conference, press release, however you want to talk about it. We'll just, I'll tell you real quick if you didn't hear it out there, is that he just wanted a commitment from Milwaukee saying that, 
they were going to have guys that were as committed as he is and blah, 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 and all that stuff. I like Giannis a lot. Uh, but interesting for him to be throwing that out there when he he got the coach he wants now there. You know, he, uh, basically the guys he wanted are re-signed. Uh, so that group is there. Interesting interesting thing to say. Um, I think there's a little heat, though, to Joel Embiid. Wow. I, I, I do. I think I, he, you, you, listen, you know how I feel about Embiid. Yeah. I, I don't think he's a really good guy, I but I do think he's a really good player, especially yeah. offensively. He's a, but you know what? Now, I'm just going to mention this right here. Very interesting to think about. Now, I'm going to bring up James Harden. Don't look at me. I don't know. That's okay. But James Harden is James Harden. But somebody was saying the other day, who was it? I think it was Reggie Miller was saying that, have you ever heard of a guy who wants to go off of a team whose teammate is the reigning MVP, right? Exactly. So it, it just seems everybody kind of like, like maybe doesn't like him or he's overrated or whatever. Philly is always... It, it's it, it's a weird, weird thing. Um, it would be interesting for him to be traded in the division, you know, close. But the Knicks do have the numbers and do have the, the talent to be able to, to pull that off, you know, and, and he... That star power. I think there's a little bit more truth to that. Giannis, you know, uh, midseason, let's see what's happening with the Bucks. You get Embiid at, with uh, Jalen Brunson, man, you know, you've got something cooking yeah. right there. I'm telling you right now. Absolutely. I'm surprised reading some of the predictions in the offseason. A lot of people picking the Knicks to go to the final, and they're basically coming back with – they're basically running it back from last Pretty year. Pretty much the same team. You know, they signed uh, DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo is a shooter. You know, he's not Chris Mullen, but the guy's going to make shots. Um their, their Villanova connection, you know, Josh Hart. Yeah, it should be an exciting, exciting team. Um, go to the NBA Finals, that's that's bold. Um, just, I know we're not talking about these guys, but along with that, the Celtics, I think, could be very, very hit or miss with Porzingis now. Um, Sixers are in, in a state of flux. Milwaukee, you know, who knows? So the, the Knicks could, they, they are, if they stay stable and stay healthy, they, they could be a, you know, a top four team up there. Tomorrow, Monday, wow. oh, the U.S. I am. You can't see me here in the studio, folks. We're going to start live camming. The U.S. I just, Open. I just readjusted my chair. Meadows. I'm ready to go. I Cohen have never Stonson. asked Mike Adoni a, a, a tennis, tennis question. question in two and a half years. Now it's eight fifty-five. All right, Mike. Well, you know what? I think that's that's our way of trying to get Chris Russo maybe on the program. The Mad Dog, who's a tennis guy. It actually it coincides with my start of Locust Valley Tennis tomorrow. Oh, Starting nice. my 15th season coaching the girls' varsity there. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, it's tennis. It's it's a great time of tennis here. So I, I know you were you were being facetious about it, but great thing about the Open. It, it does, it, it gets New York buzzing. Even, you know, football's about to start, but not there. Yankees and Mets are, are horrible. It's gonna it's gonna get the city buzzing here. Now the star power on the men's side of the draw not as great as it was. No more Roger Federer, okay, right. retired. Right. Um, I consider I think he's the greatest player of all time. Uh, you know, people say Novak Djokovic, whatever else. Um, no Rafael Nadal. He's hurt. He's probably gonna come back one more year. But there is young Spanish player Carlos Alcaraz, Alcatraz, however you want to say it. It's really Alcaraz. Um, they went toe to toe. Him and Novak Djokovic went toe to toe at Wimbledon, and and Carlos took that one a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks Cincinnati, ago, they went toe to toe. 
Mike, here we you go. You think I'm right. not on it? Mike, right, come listen. on. What do you think I'm doing? Third third set tie break. So that, and they have a little little panache there. Um, little side note, U.S. tennis. Uh, there's there's a, a new young player, Christopher Eubanks, to look out for. He was in the top 200. He's now in the top 30. Francis Tiafo uh, could make a run here as well. Uh, really, you know, he's he's right on the cusp. Um Final storyline, if you're a U.S. tennis fan as well, John Isner has been one of the top players for the United States men for many, many years. This is his last tournament. He's retiring. So, you know, it's a little bit of a side note worth mentioning if you're a tennis guy because he's been a good soldier for U.S. tennis. Football does not start for two weeks, as we as you mentioned. Mets and Yanks both stink. So if the U.S. Open has a lane to have some buzz, as you yep. say, Mike, it is probably Alcaraz against Djokovic in the final on the women's side, quickly, Coco Goff in the final, not in the final. I, I think it's her time as well. Uh, she's a young kid, but she seems like she's been around forever. That would be a great storyline. Um, what the U.S. Open can do to really, like you said, kind of get its its stranglehold on New York right now is make sure it keep the grounds open. If they get great weather, the side courts are a wonderful thing. You buy a grounds pass, you're in there, you're not you're not going nuts, and it's 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 a great experience. The stadium, forget about it, uh, but at least they have roofs on two of them now. That's going to do it, folks, from us here at Sports Talk New York with the spot on sports guys, Treza and Gadone. We will see you in a couple weeks. We want to thank Brian Graves, our producer, wonderful job out of him. We want to thank Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria for popping on with us. For everyone here at Sports Talk New York, this is Mike Trezor. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.